0: amen good morning good to see all of you this morning and good to have those of you that are joining us from your homes this morning here at the Oasis Church in Gilbert Arizona Luke's Gospel chapter 22 this morning we're just going to be looking at a a few verses because we really want to just zero in on one part of the story here of Jesus this morning And that is on the failure of Peter, one of Jesus' own disciples. I believe it's one of the most important lessons that you and I can ever learn as a follower of God is how do we respond to our failures. Because if you remember, if you were here last week and I asked at the end of the service, How many of you have ever failed? Every hand went up, which is good. That means there's no liar was in the group. We all fail, and we all will fail. So the question is not whether we're going to fail God at some point in our life, and maybe even fail others. The question is, how are we going to respond to it? How are we going to deal with it? And I think there's a lot here in this passage that's hopefully going to encourage some of you today because I, I truly believe that God laid this message and these services today here at the Oasis on my heart because I believe that there's at least a couple people that's going to be in each service that need to be either encouraged through our worship and through our time in the Word to begin to come back or to stay in that comeback phase and not to get discouraged, to just keep on leaning into the Lord as you work back from being either knocked down or you've fallen in some way. I'd like to begin, though, looking at a couple of factors but I think put Peter in a position where he failed. And, and I think we can learn from these as well. You know, obviously God is there to restore us each and every time that we fall or that we fail him, but God is also a God that gives us great wisdom through how we can prevent a lot of times our failures. Again, not that we're ever going to be perfect, but that we should be making progress as we walk with the Lord more and more. And so I think even in looking at some things about why Peter failed can hopefully be a reminder to us of things we need to make sure of are true in our life so that maybe we can prevent some failures down the road. One other thing. Maybe today this message isn't for you right now in your life. But maybe God is giving you this message today to share with someone else. Cuz that's always the case as well. Maybe you know of a friend, a family member, a coworker, someone you go to school with who is really having a hard time getting over failure in their life. Then maybe this is something you could share with them. So let's begin. I want to begin in Luke 22 looking at verse 31. Luke 22, looking at verse 31, the story of Jesus is the story of a God who restores and a God who, again, knows everything about us and loves us anyway. So you'll note something there in Luke twenty two thirty one. 31. Jesus calls Peter by his name Simon because at this point, Peter's not acting like a rock right now. So he says to him, Simon, Simon, pay attention. Most of the time in our life, if someone says our name more than once, they really want us to get something, or in my case, I was in trouble. When I would hear my mom say, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, using my full name, I knew, oh boy, here it comes. So Jesus says, Simon, Simon, pay attention. Heads up. Look out. That's important. Are we paying attention to the things that God is asking us to pay attention to? And in this specific case, he says, Satan has demanded. Isn't that interesting? The audacity of Satan to demand from God anything. But that's who Satan is, see? Satan has demanded to have you all and to sift you like wheat. Literally, to shake you to your very core. Now, Satan can't have them, but he can certainly shake us up. And that's something we need to be reminded of as Christians. Satan cannot possess us as Christians, but Satan can oppress us Satan can influence us Satan can shake us to our very core if we allow him to so Jesus here is saying Simon do you realize and are you aware and do you truly appreciate that you have a spiritual enemy who's trying to make inroads into your life Do you realize, Simon, that you are part of a spiritual battle and that as one of my followers, you're going to be engaged in spiritual warfare with an invisible unseen enemy that you need to respect? You do not ever need to fear your spiritual enemy because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But you do need to be aware of him. You do need to appreciate him. You do need to have a level of awareness and respect for him because he's trying to get at you. I think this is the first reason why Peter fails. And it's something you and I can learn then from Peter about. We need to always be aware and appreciate that we have a spiritual enemy. The devil is real. And that he tries to seek to make inroads into our life he seeks to undermine our life he he seeks to bring us down he wants to destroy us ultimately if he can't have our soul that we've already given to the Lord through salvation then he wants to diminish our walk with God as much as possible and our influence and impact on other people Are we living, aware, and appreciating the spiritual warfare that we are in at times as a Christian? And this is something that Satan should have, excuse me, that Peter should have already been aware of because earlier on in his discipleship, in his following the Lord, Jesus already pointed out that Satan's already got you and he's using you. If you go back to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, here's what Jesus says. He begins to relate to his followers that he's going to have to go to Jerusalem, that he's going to suffer many things, that he's going to be killed even, but he's going to be raised on the third day. After Jesus says that, Matthew records, Peter takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. How do you like to rebuke God? And he says to Jesus, at least he does it privately, he says, God forbid, Jesus, this must not happen to you. And you know what Jesus's reply to Peter is at that point? He looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me because you are setting your mind not on God's interests, but on man's interests. You see, Peter, even as a follower of God, was literally at that point being a mouthpiece for Satan because he was trying to prevent Jesus from going to the cross, which was God's plan of redemption for us, the world, who would believe in him. He needed to go to the cross. And it was for Peter, even, that he was going to go to the cross. And Peter's trying to talk him out of it. Because Peter is looking at things not from God's perspective, but from his own human, finite perspective. And so that's why Jesus says, you're being influenced by Satan right now. You're being an instrument of Satan right now. Can a follower of God be used by Satan? Absolutely. Peter's a great example of that. Can we be saying things at times in our life that don't come from God, but literally come from our spiritual enemy? Absolutely. Because Peter did. And after that incident, Peter then should have been more aware and more appreciative of the fact that Satan can use him if he's not careful and that he can speak things to others or into a situation that are not of God. And he better have his, you know, spiritual antennas up and be more alert. But he wasn't, because here he is again. Jesus is having to remind him, hey, Peter, Satan wants to have you all and sift you all like wheat. That's why Paul tells us in the, Book of Ephesians chapter 6. He says, Finally, be strengthened in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Clothe yourselves with the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Later on, he says, For this very reason then, Take up the full armor of God and put it on every day so that you may stand in the evil day, meaning in the day that you are attacked, and that with everything that you've done, that you are standing. By the way, you'll notice something very important there. When we are engaged in spiritual warfare and a spiritual battle, and we know and sense that we're being attacked by our spiritual enemy, We don't have to take any ground. We just are called by God not to give up any ground. We are not to retreat. We are not to allow our enemy to take us backward. We are simply to stand our ground and maintain our ground. Then after the attack, we can keep moving forward. But it might take everything we have just to maintain our stance against the attack at that point. So the first reason I believe that we see in this passage of why Peter ultimately failed the Lord and denied him three times was because, first of all, he was not fully aware as he should have been and appreciating the fact that he had a spiritual enemy who would always seek to get into his life somehow. But second, if you go down through this passage back in Luke 22, beginning at, Verse 31. In verse 32, after that, Jesus sort of lets Peter know that you're going to experience a temporary failure. He's implying that in verse 32. And then I want you to see, because we'll come back to that later, I want you to see Peter's response to that in verse 33. Peter replies, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. In other words, after Jesus pretty much tells Peter, uh, Peter, you're going to fail me here pretty soon, Peter's like, nope. I'm I'm ready, Lord. I am prepared. I'm not going to fail you. In a sense, Peter is expressing this overconfident bravado, as Peter would do many times there is, in Peter's words, the deception of pride. Pride. Not me, Lord. Everybody else might fail you, but not me. It's not going to happen to me. I'm above it. I'm ready. I'm prepared. And so the second reason or factor that I see for Peter's failure is not only that he doesn't fully yet appreciate his spiritual enemy. But second, there's pride there in Peter's heart. A pride that always exists in our lives before we fall. A pride that says, I can't. It's not possible for me. Uh, A pride that might think we're more ready for a situation or more prepared than we really are that we're not really as self-aware of where we really are and and really honest about where we really are with God and what we can handle. And so we we put ourselves in positions that we're not ready for because God hasn't led us to those positions yet, or else we think that the situation that God has sort of given us a heads-up about It's something that we can handle on our own and we've got this and and we don't really need anybody's help. Something else we need to be aware of in our lives. We can think we're more ready for something than we really are. See, that's part of the deception of pride. Pride will always say, yeah, I'm, I'm good, whenever we're really not. So we need to make sure that we're following the Lord and his direction more than, again, where we think we are. That's why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 are such great verses to keep in mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean under your own understanding. Peter was leaning on his own understanding. I'm good. I'm ready. No, you're not. And that's what Jesus is trying to get him to see here you're not ready. Which then leads to the third factor of why Peter failed at this point. If you drop down to verse 39 and 40 of Luke 22, you'll see that uh, Luke records that Jesus went out at this point, and he went up to the Mount of Olives, as was his habit, his custom. It's what he did almost every day. And I believe, obviously, he was there to pray, to talk to his father, as he did. It's recorded throughout the Gospels. And so you'll notice that Luke tells us when they get to this place, and and I believe that it was probably a designated place of prayer and of communing and fellowshipping with God, here's what Jesus' encouragement was to his followers. Pray that you will not... Fall into temptation. Pray that you will not. Fall. In fact, this is so important to Jesus that you know the story probably, right? Jesus goes away for a while. He's struggling in prayer with the Father, and he comes back and he finds them sleeping. And you'll notice in verse 46 of Luke 22, Jesus repeats this very same thing. He says, Why are you sleeping? get up or rise up and pray that you do not fall into temptation so the third reason why Peter failed was lack of prayer prayerlessness will always lead to spiritual defeat not only not appreciating our spiritual enemy and pride but prayerlessness is also a big factor I look back on my life and I'll just tell you that many of the times, if not most of the times that I can chart my failures, especially the big ones, it was because I didn't pray enough. I wasn't in an attitude of prayer as much as I should have been. And I love the word that Jesus uses for pray here. It's a word that speaks about transformation through intercession with God. It's the idea that when I talk to God and I turn to him, that God is literally changing me and transforming me. And in this case, I think there would be even a couple things that tie into our first couple of points. First of all, it would be that God would continue to humble us in his presence. And that God in his presence would make us more aware and appreciating the spiritual warfare and battles that we find ourselves in at times and would get us to a better place if we're just willing to pray. Jesus, in a sense, is saying pray instead of failing the test. Because the word temptation here that Jesus uses is simply a word that speaks about a test. It's coming, Jesus is saying. And you're either gonna pass the test, Peter, and, and my other design, or you're gonna fail the test. There is no like A, B, C, D, E, F grade. It's either you're either it's pass or fail. And Jesus is saying, if you don't pray, you're gonna fail this upcoming test. So there again, very important for us to apply this to our life. Are we praying enough? Are we spending time in prayer every day? Is prayer a priority in our life? Are we turning to God and talking to him and not just to go to God and asking him for things, which is biblical. He wants us to do that. But to go to God in prayer in such a way that we're saying, God, I'm here not necessarily to ask you for anything. I'm here just to spend time with you so that you can transform me, so that you can change me, so that you can strengthen me, so that you can make me more wise. I'm here for you to do what you need to do in my life so that I don't experience the failures that Peter experienced. One final one I see in the text this morning. If you go over to verse 54, it tells us there that they came to arrest Jesus. And as they led him away, they brought him to the house of the high priest. But then notice the next few words in verse 54. But Peter was following Jesus At a distance. He was following Jesus, but he was following him from afar. It is just the opposite of what we're encouraged to do as believers. What does Jesus tell us? Stay close to me, abide in me, remain in me. Don't follow me from a distance, follow me up close. In fact, even in biblical times, and even up into recent times, although the illustration isn't quite as meaningful because we don't walk on a lot of dirt, dusty roads, but in ancient times, they would encourage those that were disciples of a rabbi to walk in the dust of your rabbi. In other words, walk so closely behind your rabbi, your teacher, your leader, that as they kick up the dust, the dust literally is falling on you. Don't follow from a distance. Don't follow from afar. Stay close. So we see in the context, if you will, of Peter's failure, some real important factors of why Peter failed that you and I can learn from. He wasn't as aware of his spiritual battle as he should have been. He had some pride that needed to be dealt with. He wasn't praying as he was being encouraged to have a, life, a lifestyle of prayer. And at this point in his life, he was not following Jesus closely. He was following Jesus with a lot of space in between. And all of those factors we can apply to our life as well that can maybe prevent us from some of the failures that we could have otherwise. But that's not primarily why we're in this passage today. We're in this passage today because we all recognize, like Peter, we're going to fail the Lord at some point. How do we respond to it? Jesus gives us the answer to that back in verse 32 of Luke 22. After Jesus tells Peter, look, Satan has demanded to have you all and sift you like wheat, literally Throw your world upside down and shake you to the core. Jesus says this, but I have prayed for you, Simon. Now let's stop there. That's huge. Jesus is reminding his followers, including Peter, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. I hope that will encourage you today. Do you know that the Bible teaches that Jesus just isn't up there in heaven just sort of standing around? That the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, that Jesus is always interceding for us? How encouraging is it when you know that there's another Christian or a group of Christians who are praying for you in any situation? That's usually a great encouragement to us. How much more encouraging is it to know that the Son of God, the King of kings, the creator of this universe, the sustainer of this universe is praying for you and he's praying for you even right now. You and I need to remember that. Jesus is praying for each of us. And then Jesus goes on to remind Peter that I know as God, your failure's coming. But I'm praying that you don't allow your failure to define you, to ultimately defeat you, or to discourage you. Because I got plans for you, Peter. Peter. I've got plans for you. I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm praying that you'll learn from your failure, that you'll grow from your failure, but that you will not allow this failure that's coming. To keep you from being all that I have planned for you to be. Because many people, that's where they are. They allow their failures to ultimately discourage them, defeat them, define them, and keep them from experiencing all that God has planned for them. And Jesus is praying for Peter that this failure that's coming will not be one that keeps Peter down for long. Because He's saying something even about who he is as God. I'm a God who will always restore you after you fail. I'm a God who loves you unconditionally. And I love you as much when you fail as when you don't fail. And I am here to pick you back up from your failures. But notice what Jesus says. He says, I'm specifically praying that your faith does not fail. What's Jesus mean by that? The word fail is a very important word. It's where we get our concept of an eclipse from. Well, you know what happens in an eclipse. Something passes before something else and you can't see it. So Jesus saying, I am praying that your conviction of who I am and who you are to me, that your confidence in who I am and who you are to me will not be eclipsed by your failure, will not be eclipsed by your circumstance or your situation, that you will always remember and be mindful of who we are with one another, because in a sense we are in partnership with one another and that partnership is unbreakable. Because one of the other concepts Of this word, pray, that Jesus uses here when he says, I'm praying for you, is the idea that Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, we are in unbroken partnership now. Once you placed your faith in me, you and I have become partners. And so everything, Peter, that you go through, I'm going through it with you. And I'm never going to leave you, and I'm never going to forsake you. So we're partners here, Peter. You remember that. And even when you're heartbroken over your failure of me, don't let your failure eclipse what you know to be true between me and you. Is that true in your life? Has maybe a situation, a circumstance, or even a personal failure has it eclipsed who God is to you and who, what he's already told you, what he's already promised you? Have you allowed a circumstance, a situation, your favorite to come between you and your God and your conviction and confidence of who he is so it's blocking him out? That's what Jesus is specifically praying for. And maybe he's even praying for that right now for some of you in this room. He's saying you've allowed something to come between me and you. Don't let that happen. Get rid of that eclipse and get your eyes back on me and who you know me to be and who you know we are because we're partners and we're going to be partners forever and that's never going to change no matter how you fail me and how many times you fail me. And then notice the next words that Jesus says. When you turn back, not if you turn back, when you turn back. Jesus saying to Peter, you don't have to let this upcoming failure ultimately defeat you, discourage you, and define you. Again, yes, learn from it, grow from it, But I've got plans for you, Peter. And my plans for you aren't for you to sit on the sidelines sort of wallowing in self-pity or feeling sorry for yourself or sitting there, you know, just drowning in your own defeat, letting your spiritual enemy that you should be more aware of now, you know that we call him the accuser of the brothers and sisters, that he is a slanderer, that what he will continually do in your life is throw up to you all of your failures and all of your failings. He will remind you every day of your sin. He will try to keep you in a bad, discouraged, dark place Peter, I'm telling you, you got to come back from this because I am the God of comebacks. I am the God of second chances. I am the God of restoration. And I'm telling you, Peter, you and I are going to come back from this. When you turn back, I hope you believe that today, that God is the God of comebacks that there is no failure before God that God cannot bring a human being back from if that human being doesn't let their faith fail. And it doesn't even matter how many times that failure takes place. Because we know the story of Peter, right? After Peter tells Jesus, I'm ready, I'm ready to go to prison with you or death with you, what's Jesus' response to Peter? (laughs) He says, well, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you're going to deny that you even know me three times. Think about it. Peter, Peter, one of the main disciples of Jesus Christ is going to actually disavow and disown that he even knows Jesus. Three times to three different people, Peter's going to say, I don't even know who you're talking about. By the way, after that third denial, the Bible says that Peter looks up And guess who he sees looking at him Jesus (sighs) can you imagine what that would have been like and then the Bible says that Peter just went out and wept bitterly he was heartbroken over his failure and I get that we we've all been there I'm sure there are times where we have failed the Lord and we're heartbroken over because that's not who we wanted to be in that moment. That's not what we wanted to be in that moment. And we're heartbroken over it. But folks, we've also got to understand the message of of Jesus and the story of Jesus is that later on, and it's recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 21, Jesus restores Peter. He restores him. And not just like, oh, well, okay, now that you've failed me and you've failed me so miserably, uh, you're just going to sit on the bench for the rest of your life? No, no. Notice what Jesus says to Peter after he tells Peter in, in verse 32 that when you turn back, then what's the next words Jesus says? Strengthen your brothers and sisters. What do those words mean? It means that Jesus still looks at Peter as the leader you're going to be the one to lead others even after this failure you're going to be the one to help other believers grow even after this failure because that's who I've chosen you to be that's my plan for you Peter and you cannot let this miserable failure Keep you from being the person that I see in you, the potential that I have seen in you, and the plan that I have for you. You can't let this failure derail that, Peter. You got to get back up and you got to be the leader that I want you to be. Now, obviously. These words couldn't totally affect or impact Peter as much then, before his failure, as they would have after the fact. But I'm sure these words for Jesus, even ahead of the failure, was such an encouragement to Peter when he began to recall what Jesus told him. And maybe that's another aspect. Of how this message today can fit into our lives maybe you're sitting here today and you haven't really failed in a big way we all fail the lord every day but in a way that's significant yet but it's coming and god knows it so he knows that maybe even ahead of time you need to hear the words of jesus as he spoke them to Peter, so that later on, after the fact, you can be encouraged, or again, maybe use this message to encourage someone else. But here's what I know. I know that every last person in this room, and especially Jeff Royce, has failed the Lord. But folks, we've got to learn how to respond when we fail. We've got to learn to reach up and take the hand of Jesus that's reaching down to us and saying at that moment, child, I know you failed me. And I want you to grow from it. I want you to learn from it, but I also want you to get back up. I want you to come back because I'm a God of amazing comebacks. In fact, I'm a God that invented the comeback. And I want you to get back up and become all that I see that you can be. Don't let the devil, your spiritual enemy, keep sifting you like wheat. You resist the devil, and he'll have to flee. You tell the devil today, no, devil, you're not getting in my brain anymore and in my thoughts. You're not discouraging me and keeping me down anymore. I'm going to listen to the voice of my Savior, and I'm not going to let my faith be eclipsed by what you're telling me or what others are telling me. I'm going to listen to the voice of Jesus, and I'm getting back up again. So our invitation today is just going to maybe look a little different. I'm hoping some of you in this room will take me up on it. Because listen, we all could say, yes, I I failed. I get that. But maybe there's some here today that the words of our God has 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 spoken to you in such a way that you want to respond to it. You want to say, God, I'm in the midst of my comeback, and just continue to encourage me in the midst of my comeback. I haven't totally come back yet, but I'm there. I'm I'm on the road. But maybe some of you today, this is the first day of your comeback. This is the day where you stop listening to your accuser keep you down and try to keep discouraging you and defeat you and, and, and let your failure, whatever it's been or whatever they have been, to define your life and you are, you are going to believe in what Jesus says above all things and, and you're going to believe in what he said to Peter that when I come back, God still got plans for me and I'm going to start that comeback today. And I, I want to invite any of you that may be in that place right now, to join me up here during our time of worship today because I'd like to just share a few words of encouragement with each of you that comes and and, and pray with you, if I could, as your pastor. Because I get failure. I get it. I know what it's like to come back from failure. And I'm certainly going to fail the Lord in the future, at some point too. And I'm going to need to remind myself of this message. So I'm not here and I'm not going to greet you as one that in any way is better than any of you. We all as God's people joined together know that without Christ, none of us, none of us are worthy. But here's what I do know. No matter what we've done, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. And we've got to say no to our enemy and yes to Jesus today. Let him bring you back today. I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come and I'm going to ask you all to stand with me at this point. I'm going to just close in prayer, and then I'm going to step down here. If any of you would like to join me today, have me pray with you, I I would love to. I want to encourage you. I want us to do some of, uh, some of this publicly because I even want our enemy to know you can't have us. You can't have us. We're the Lord's. We're his children. He's the one that defines us, not you, Lord, not you, devil. So, Father, we come to you today, and I pray, God, that Somebody here today has heard that message so clearly in this passage that you are the God of restoration. You are the God of comebacks. You are the God that can handle our failures perfectly. All you ask from us is that our faith in you and in who we are to you not be eclipsed by even our failures that we continue to keep our eyes focused on you, to see you, God, for who we know you to be and who you've told us you are. And that, Lord, no matter what, God, you are partnering with us. You will never leave us or forsake us no matter what. You want us just simply to take you by the hand today and let you lead us back. And I pray, Lord, that some would be open to that today, whether it's continuing that comeback in their life or beginning that comeback in their life today, God. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.